Hello and welcome to Diverse Unity, the podcast that everybody just wants to come to to get all of their news from just the smartest people in the world, me. (laughs) Um, I'm your host. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) I'm your host, Keith Stout, and with me is co-host Lane Noble. What is up, Lane? How are you doing? I'm better than I deserve, Keith. How are you doing? Well, let me tell you, Lane, not doing good. I'm not doing good. And let me tell you why. It is because of Kanye West. Let me tell you, Lane, I am getting sick and tired of being told time and time again that Kanye West is going to drop a new album, and he doesn't do it. It, It's exhausting, it's annoying, and I'm tired and sick of it. I want Donda... Yes, yes, it is insane. He did this with Jesus I know he's as not king. Into politics, but he doesn't have to lie like all the other <laughs> He did this with Jesus as king. Let me tell you, Lane, every week for like three months, they said, Oh, this is the week that Jesus as king is going to drop. Kanye's dropping it this week. And it never happened. It, well, I mean, it happened eventually, but it took like three months for it to happen and it's happening again donda has still yet to be released he's previewed it a couple times at uh i think it was mercedes-benz stadium uh he played it for a crowd there twice but he's yet to release it to the public and i'm sick and tired of it i'm sick and tired of it man (laughs) man but you could you could think of it this way you know kanye west is like god he works in his timing. You can wait for the promise, even though it may take about two thousandish years, but it will come. You heard it. You heard it here first, folks. Kanye West is God. Yeah, see, that'll be t- taken out of context. So a little resurface. I'll get canceled by, by evangelicals and everyone else. <laughs> Well, speaking <laughs> speaking of music, uh, so I decided that we are going to do some fun stuff at the beginning of each podcast. And uh, first and foremost, uh, to start this off, I want to talk about music. Music is a big part of my life. I love all kinds of music. And Lane does not. Lane, tell the people what kind of music you listen to. That's that's hard to do because uh, I don't re- – mostly what makes it through my, my playlist are Broadway show tunes and worship music. Like those are the two things that, that usually end up there. If you play any contemporary music for me, it's probably not going to go over well. Um, so uh, Keith, who knows this, uh, is going to torture me uh, in future podcasts with – whatever trash he decides to bring out uh, this week. So, Look, it is a crime against humanity to torture yourself with listening to only Broadway show tunes. And when do the, I care about humanity? The, <laughs> it's a crime against yourself, man. Dude, the, music is an important part of culture, and to not get into it, just you're, you're bringing yourself down. For me, I... How the best way to understand the culture around us, I think, is through music. 
and it's enjoyable. It's fun. Uh, sometimes it's bad, but that's part of the experience. So what we're going to do, one of my favorite genres is rap. So we're going to start out with rap. We'll probably venture into other stuff that's not country. We're going to stay away from country because that's the devil's music. But uh, <laughs> we're, I'm going to, we're going, I'm going to tell Lane uh, a specific album that I want him to listen to throughout the week. And then we're going to discuss it on the next episode of the podcast. So Lane, I, I want you to uh, listen carefully. So one of the most influential rappers of modern rap, probably one of my favorite to listen to one, one of culture's, uh, most important rappers uh, is a man by the name of Kendrick Lamar. Have you ever heard of that name before? Oh, so you're going to start me out easy. Okay. Yeah, easy. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're, no. I we're, you, were about to, you were about to tell me Eminem. I, what, no. <laughs> what? No, we're going we're to dive head in. Have you ever heard of Kendrick Lamar? Oh, yeah. You have? I think I've listened to a couple of his his songs that actually weren't bad. Um, so Ken, yeah, Kendrick. Lam- remembering correctly, Kendrick Lamar has a lot of good albums. Uh, his probably the most influential one for culture is called "To Pimp a Butterfly," but I I think that one you won't be able to grasp well. So we're gonna the album I want you to listen to is called "Good Kid." Mad City, M A A D City, Good Kid, Mad City. So just just uh, for background, to for when you go and listen to it, um, Good Kid, Mad City is about Kendrick Lamar's experience growing up in Compton. He was he was raised in Compton, and this really kind of displays the kind of stuff that he goes through uh growing up in Compton and it's it's one of my favorite albums of all time uh I love it I I, I especially love the song Mad City uh it's one of the greatest songs I've ever listened to in my opinion but uh just I don't I don't think this really comes out much in this album but just a forewarning Kendrick Lamar is heavily influenced by uh the black Hebrew Israelite movement. I don't think it really shows up in good kid, mad city, but, uh, just know that going into it as well. But I, I, I'm interested to see what you think of it next week. So Kendrick Lamar, good kid, mad city. Okay. All right. I will do it. Before we get into the main topic, is there anything you want to discuss lane? Anything that's, gone out throughout the week that you just need to get off your chest and talk about? I need to get off my chest and talk about. Um, yes. Uh, Kentucky stoplights. If you work in the Kentucky stoplight business, uh, you need to fix that, okay? Because um, right now, I'm yesterday sitting, there's a, I'm sitting in the turn lane about to, about to turn left into my neighborhood and this thing is there for it, – it, it's just, I'm just sitting there for, for hours on end. I wasn't there for hours, but it felt like it. And, and I don't feel this way in any other state except for Kentucky and Florida, but Kentucky especially, right? So if you're in the Kentucky stoplight business, you need to fix that. 
because I am I have way too much time on my hands when I am at a stoplight. So Dude, that's my rant for the day. Stoplights are so annoying in general. I I cannot stand sitting at a stoplight. Luckily, where I live in good old Owenton, Kentucky, most of the stoplights are censored based. So whenever you get up to the line and if there's no cars coming, it changes immediately, which is really nice. But that doesn't happen within cities, and it's mm. very annoying. But I, I agree with that. I agree with your rant there. Um, yes. um, Terrible. <laughs> a little bit of business before we get into the topic. I do want to say that uh, me and Lane has started a TikTok. I have posted a couple videos so far and uh i don't think lane's got into it yet but he will be eventually it's just diverse unity just one word uh put together at diverse unity if you want to check that out give us a good follow um also i made a facebook i plan on using this facebook for one purpose only and that is to promote uh healthy conversation within social media and i am going to do that by uh example <laughs> so that's that's probably what i'm going to do facebook for but it's it's my name keith stout as of right now probably will make a a like diverse unity group at some point on facebook to but until uh i feel the need to do that it will just be just add me as a friend on there and we can uh talk about whatever we discuss on the podcast or whatever's going on with the world in a healthy healthy way as we promote here on diverse unity so uh what i want us to talk about today lane is um the the purpose of diverse unity is for people to come together with differing beliefs and having an open dialogue com conversation where we hear each other out because unity cannot be achieved when we're just talking past each other and have no idea what, what the other side believes. We just go off of assumptions and attack one another. We can't grow as a civilization, as a society that way. We need to come together, listen to one another. But... With that brings the question, is there ever a time and place? Is there ever a belief system? Is there ever a person uh, who has a certain opinion that we should not promote unity with? Should we uh, kind of uh, cast aside or not treat with the same uh, uh, attitude as with other beliefs? Is there ever a time where someone's thoughts someone's beliefs someone's ideas are just too dangerous now uh the context mainly being within a church context but i think this also works out within american culture and society as well we could discuss that as well but i do want to hear uh lane your thoughts your your study what what you come to the table with your ideas on this topic let's hear it 
Yeah. So, so if I understand it correctly, basically, basically, we're 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 deciding what we should we should unite on and what we should divide on. Correct. I, I just want to sell ba- Basically, yeah. Uh, it's a whole lot easier, I think, to just talk about what we should divide if there's ever time to be divisive in a simplified way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, there are times uh, where we need to be divided on particular issues. So uh, I should say there, there are – I'm a huge fan of – I think – if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was Gavin uh, Ortland uh, that promotes the the idea that the theological triage. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know, uh, it, when you go to the emergency room, um, they they do what's called triaging, which uh, when you get to the emergency room, they get you triaged as quickly as possible. And what they do is they rate you on three levels. So, if you're on a, if your injury is a level one injury. Uh, you need immediate attention. Like, in as little time as possible, they need to get you treated because if they don't, you'll you'll die. Uh, level two is still a serious injury, uh, but it's not quite as severe as a level one. You, they're, they're going to put level one uh, in more priority. And then level three is you're injured, but you can wait. Uh, it's it's it's, an, it's serious enough to go to the emergency room, but. You, you can wait a little bit while they're treating the level ones and level twos. Uh, and so uh, Ortland, and I think Al Muller is also a huge proponent of this, uh, they propose uh, a theological triage where we have level one. Uh, level one issues are things, uh, basically you're not a Christian if you are on level one. So that would be not believing in God. Uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you don't believe in the death and, resurrect- and resurrection of Jesus, that's a level one issue. Uh, uh, being saved by faith and not through works, that's a level one issue. Level two issue would be an issue where we would divide. Uh, so those are the issues where you're still a Christian, but we should divide on these issues. Um, and then level three is... There are issues we can disagree on, but they're nothing really to divide over. Um, so a uh, level two issue might be, uh, say, uh, belief, the infallibility of the Bible. Uh, that'd probably be, I would categorize that as a level two issue. Uh, level three would be something like um, the age of the earth or uh, whether the book of Jonah is literal history or something like that. Um, a lot of people argue uh, the age of the earth is a level two issue, which... I'm, I'm not sure I'm on board with that, but uh, yeah, I, w- I would have put it at a level three. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, so that uh, so my answer is level one. There's no need to divide on a level one because Christians can't divide on level issues, level one issues. Because if you disagree with a level one issue, then you're not a Christian. Uh, it's really these level two issues, like the infallibility of Scripture um, and, and, and things of that nature, that we we it, we can be Christians, but we those should be divisive issues because they're serious issues. Uh, so yes, the, my answer is yes. There are there are issues we can we can divide over. Mm, I like it. So with that though, brings the question: How do you decide? How do you? Well, not this. That's a bad way to put it. How do you understand what what should be? A level one issue, what should be a level two issue, and what should be a level three issue. 
where do we uh because i think that becomes a problem within society and one of the big reasons why we're so uh divisive within the church and and society is because we have elevated so many issues to to the level two or even even the level one uh that should be level three uh at best so how how is it that we can come to understand what should what issue should be where and what and uh how we go from there well the irony is that uh people disagree on this uh, uh, the the irony is that that people disagree on what's the level two, what's level one, what's level three. Most people are on 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 the same page when it comes to level one. For example, you know the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's pretty hard to contend for the fact that somebody is still a Christian if they don't believe in the death and resurrection because that's the the central creed of being a Christian. Uh, and obviously, the existence of God. I mean, you can't you can't even begin to be a Christian if you if you don't even believe in uh, the the God that Christianity centers around. Um, when it comes to level two issues, that's where things get a little trickier because we uh, there are level two issues that we are divided over. Um, I would say, as far as going into a level two, whether we're deciding something's a level two or a level three, because pretty much everything else, if it's not a level one or a level two, it's a level three. Uh, and those are issues we don't even really need to worry about, um, or not necessarily that we don't need to worry about, but we don't need to divide over them. They're important questions, but we don't need to divide over them. Uh, level two, uh, I think what we need to ask ourselves when it comes to a level two, uh, and, and feel free to add anything to this, uh, uh, if, if you, if you think of something else, but it's a, a level two issue is a level two issue when, it hinders uh, it hinders the growth of a particular church, uh, or if scripture takes it very seriously. So, um, for example, a level two issue might be, uh, say, on the issue of, of sexual immorality. That's a level two issue. Uh, so Ephesians five two says there's not even to be a hint of sexual immorality uh, among you. Uh, and then Jesus says in on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Right. So, so sexual purity is necessary for good communion with God. Um, and and we see that sexual immorality is addressed in almost every single book of the New Testament. Uh, so we see that Scripture takes it very seriously, and it's an issue that we all need to be agreeing upon. Um, again, if we don't fully agree on it, that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's not a believer. Um, that is to say, though, that God does take it seriously. So you'll have some some Christians arguing that, okay, yeah, uh, I'm not going to commit fornication. I'm not going to. I'm not going to look at pornography. Um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to engage in these these issues. But I but I can look every once in a while. Uh, you know, I can make a lustful glance every once in a while. Um, and there are even pastors and authors and, and various Christians that that will argue that. Um, and and the scripture says. No, you're not even to have a, a hint of sexual immorality among you. And it says those who haven't repented of such things, we shouldn't even have anything to do, not even to eat with such a one. Uh, so that's a, that's a level two issue. Um, so do, the, that's the, those are the two questions. Does Scripture take it seriously? 
and does it hinder growth? Uh, I think those are two considerations, um, and that's a big that's a big one in our society today is, is sexual morality, um, not just uh, what is moral sexually, <clears throat> but uh, what what is the nature of sexuality, homosexuality. I would put that on a level two issue as well, because um, that is, that that's encompassed, I think, in sexual immorality. Um, so so that that's I would say that's how you determine a level one or level two issue. Um, is is whether scripture takes it seriously and whether or not it hinders uh, your growth and the growth of other Christians. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, uh, bef- before before I start talking, I want I want to give a preface of this. What we are trying to do here, just for the listeners, and especially what I'm trying to do, what what I'll be doing. When I start talking, is I'm not going. I'm not trying to uh, explain my beliefs into this. Uh, I will let you know when I am. Um, I'm also not trying to discredit anything. I, I want this podcast to be a place to where we can discuss things. We can bring up our ideas, bring up questions without having any hostility so sometimes i'm going to ask a question i'm going to say something that i don't believe or that i already know the answer to but i want to do it to kind of show how we can have these thoughts have these disagreements and still uh and and respond to it in a in a loving kind and gentle way so i, I want to make that preface clear because i i can already tell what I'm about to start talking about and what I want us to discuss, uh, well, after hearing that, it, I'm going to hear a lot of people will say, oh, look, Keith doesn't agree with sexual morality, blah, blah, blah. He, he's questioning it. No, that don't, don't take that. Don't think that. Um, just, I want, uh, just so we know what this is about to be, and what uh, future episodes are going to be. Uh, sometimes they're just going to be thoughts and questions that come up in my mind during these conversations that, that I want to say, bring out, so we can discuss it and maybe come to a better understanding of it together and do it with an audience that will listen and also could uh, come into the conversation through social media or whatever it may be. Uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way. So uh, you brought up uh, sexual uh, morality, uh, being sexually pure, being a level two issue. Uh, it, it it does bring up some thoughts, though, as, uh, well, what constitutes sexual morality? Obviously, it's scripture, but we there's a lot of questions that I see come up from people surrounding this so for instance i see i've seen the arguments uh many times that and i don't want to get into the a deep conversation about this uh just just to bring it up that uh for instance when homosexuality is translated within the english they it's not translated correctly and because of that what we see talked about within the Hebrew and Greek text is more than likely pedophilia instead of homosexuality. So that, that 
changes the discussion of what is sexually pure and what is not within that <clears throat> belief system, if that be the case. So when we talk about these level two issues um, and we have questions that come up like that and people who are confused around that, um, what should we do about that? Does that constitute division when someone uh, hears this, hears something like that, or even around the 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 context of lust? When exactly do you cross that line, and are you committing lust, or when are you just acknowledging physical attraction and beauty? You, you see what I mean, Lane? So, at at yeah. what point is do we say, okay, you have gone too far within this. You are no longer being uh, faithful to scripture. You are in sin and crossing dangerous territory. Hmm. So, so I just want to make sure I understand your question right uh, correctly. Um, you're you're asking when. Uh, so when so we can agree, I think I think what you're asking is we can agree that not even a hint of, that all sexual immorality is is a level two issue. Mm -hmm. But when can we or when should we step in and say that a particular disagreement on uh, what sexual morality is, uh, when when does that become a level two issue and when should we divide on that? Yeah. So that's that's your question. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, so <laughs> that, that's actually a really good question. Um, disagreement, it's, it's really all going to depend. It, this is just my view here. Um, you, uh, I'd like to hear what you have to say on, on this. Um, but uh, I would say it really all depends on who, where that disagreement is coming from and who's doing the disagreement. Um, and, and, and in some areas... Uh, these issues come out again. This is why I'm so glad you, you brought this up because I think this is worth, worth saying. Um, there are some areas where, uh, disagree, uh, I shouldn't say disagreement, um, variations on, uh, of views on sexual immorality. They come from ignorance and not necessarily open rebellion. Mm. Um, and this is the case for a lot, lot of issues. Like for example, I forget his name, but I was reading a Christian philosopher one day, and he said he didn't become a Christian till he got to college. Um, and his whole life, he was pro-choice. Uh, he he believed abortion was a good not not believed abortion was a good. A woman should have the right to choose whether or not she gets an abortion. Um, and he he didn't believe abortion was murder uh, or anything like that. And he kept those views. Uh, for a little while after he became a Christian, um, and he was he was an activist for abortion, like he was a pro-choice activist, um, and he stayed one after becoming a Christian for a little while. It wasn't until he started learning more from Scripture that uh, his pro-choice convictions were not consistent with with God's word that he he became pro-life and it, he changed. So again, there's a there's an issue. Uh, there there is the question. And it's going to look. It's going to be a case by case issue, yeah. um, of whether or not somebody is new to the faith or immature in the faith, or maybe they just grew up in uh, uh, 
a home that claimed to be Christian but was not biblically based. Um, so there, there's going to be there's going to be room for trying to correct people, um, and the Bible says to correct people who are who are in unrepentant sin. Um, and it also says that if that person refuses to repent, then we're not to have anything to do with them. Uh, that that's when we that's when we do the dividing. Uh, now, uh, again, this is going to be a case by case basis. Um, I would probably, you know, obviously, if we had a youth pastor confronting a fourteen year old about something, that's going to be a bit different from, say, somebody who is, uh, you know, twenty seven, and uh, let's let's say let's say I was. Let's say I said that pornography was okay, and you came and confronted me, and uh, I said, "Well, no, I don't. I don't believe this is bad. I don't believe this is sinful." Then, then some church discipline or some division would would be warranted. But that would only be after you you confronted me and 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 consulted me according to God's word. Uh, that's that's when I would say that that would be the case. When it comes to disagreements over. Uh, the, the standards of sexual morality. I would say it's always an issue of division, only after a reconciliation has been attempted. Um, so attempt reconciliation. If it can't be reconciled, then division needs to happen. Um, that really, I, I probably should have just let in with that. I just had, I just said all of that in a very long-winded way. So <laughs> bunch of uh, bunch yeah. of word salad. No, but I, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's. Uh, something to chew on and think about. But uh, I, I do think this conversation is good, though, especially when it comes around to this, because I think when you look inside, say, the liberal church, we see an issue with compromising on sexual uh, ethics straightforward. So, for instance, there is no accountability when somebody has has sex before marriage. There's no uh, accountability held there, but and, and it's it's open. So they will admit that they won't do it. So th- they say that, and which is okay. And that's that's something that within a church context we should be divided over that's not okay i agree with that however i think we have the same problem within the conservative church with uh uh sexual abuse uh we're not keeping absolutely we're, we we <laughs> absolutely. the accountability is not being uh had there there are congregations and church leaders that are covering up sexual abuse in every corner the church too movement is huge uh, Southern Baptists are dealing with this harshly. It's big within the fundamental Baptist movements. It's obviously huge within uh, other churches as well, just not as public yet. I, I think a lot of churches are dealing with this, and it's because uh, we're not being divisive enough on, on good uh, sexual morality. And I do think it comes to... Uh, uh, the teaching of lust and and uh, not just that, but also sexuality in general. We we hide it. We're, we don't do a good job at explaining uh, what exactly it means to be sexual beings. Um, 
the fundamentalist tradition really teaches men that they are nothing but sexual animals who all they think about and want is sex. And when you hear that enough, then you're going to believe that and you're going to act like that. Also, when we put blame on women uh, for men's lust, then men are not being held accountable for that. And what, what do you mean? Uh, can I ask, what do you mean by the, the fundamentalist tradition? Because I, I know there's a lot of people who would say that they what when fundamentalist is often used as a broad term. Uh, and so uh, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. It, it can, it can be seen as like any, like a lot of, most people use the term fundamentalist to refer to anybody who's to the right of themselves. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, just, uh, so the fundamental, the fundamentalist, that- yeah, yeah. The fundamentalist tradition within sex usually, uh, so I'll put it this way. Purity culture is probably a, better way to describe it purity culture that really came up through josh harris and his book i kiss dating goodbye really he's even gone off the (laughs) he's even yeah yeah but but what happens with it and and i think this is this is not something to be divisive about necessarily but this is something that's serious enough and we've seen the consequences of it to where we need to start being more aggressive with it i think uh, when it comes to the realm of sexuality is when you teach this kind of sheltered sexuality, when you're not, when you explain lust as something, as uh, a problem that women must deal with, when you don't deal with uh, sexuality of, of women, when you don't, when you teach men that uh, sex is just for their desire and women are just there when it comes to sex are just there to satisfy your needs. Uh, uh, when you teach women that they're, they're, uh, the way they dress, um, is more important than men keeping their thoughts to themselves, stuff like that. And also when you don't, I think I may have said this already, but when you don't explain exactly what lust is, people become confused and it leads to major problems. And the major problems we are seeing is a misogynistic culture, one that promotes more patriarchy within uh, a marital context. It does not allow women to understand their sexuality and it breaks them down. And it, 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 it promotes a, a predatorial kind of situation where Men are now thinking that oh, I am just a sexual being, and this is I, this is all I can think about, with no understanding that you do control it. You're not just a sexual being. You're not just. You are more than that. You and uh, you can control your own eyes. It's not the women's fault. You can control your thoughts. It, it's not up to the women to dress. Uh, appropriately for you to control it and it's not up for the women to satisfy you sexually it, it uh, that's up to your wife and so on and so forth uh, there's I'm not putting it great I'm not great on this topic there's other uh, sources to go to look into that but I think that uh, that was long-winded a way to say that I I agree with you that sexual immorality is something that should be divided on but i do think there's 
Because, how do I put this? When we look into the church, there are so many people who are so skewed on sex, sexuality, and sexual immorality that through bad teaching, whether it be on the conservative or the liberal side, they really don't know how to act. Now, I think when it comes to leadership, that's something that should not be excused. But when it comes to people within the congregation, I think it becomes a whole lot harder because society and, and the church has not gotten to a good point where we are treating sex right. Like we're not teaching sex in the best way. We're not interacting with it in the best way. And there's a lot of, a lot more nuance to it than, than just what's put up front. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. The reason I was wanting you to define fundamentalism there was because that that's, that's going to be a word we bring up a lot in this podcast and it can, it, there's so many different uh, conceptions of it in people's minds that it's probably worth defining when we're, we're getting into these issues. So, so I, uh, I, I do want to go away from sex a little bit though. And uh, yeah, one thing that was just an example. Yeah. 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 Level two. I know it, but, and it got my mind thinking in that direction, but uh, also uh what I think we need to be more cautious about within the church is leadership that's very abusive in a in a verbal sense. So I've been listening to uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill with Mark Driscoll. It's been very eye opening on dangerous leadership when you have a narcissist, a bully, a a unkind, unloving jerk within the pulpit. Uh, and the problems that that brings about, the the destruction that gets laid behind through it. Mark Driscoll and that kind of culture has really uh, brought forth an arrogant kind of Christianity that uh, even John MacArthur said is, is a big reason. Now, this is before John MacArthur became a hypocrite, but uh, in 2016 – or 15, he said that Mark Driscoll paved the way for evangelicals to accept somebody like Trump into leadership. Um, hmm. So uh, when we think about uh, divisiveness, I think what we need to do is also make sure that we look into the basics of the gospel. This is something that we don't, as a, as a conservative church, uh, we don't do very well because – the basics of the gospel is not just uh, – and what I mean by that is the teachings that come with the gospel. So so obviously the gospel is Jesus is God. He died for our, sin, for our sins. If you believe in him and repent uh, of your sin, you will have eternal life. And we as Baptists believe that – uh, salvation is by grace through faith. That is faith alone, not based on any kind of work that you do. That is all true. However, Come on, Baptist, please stay here. Uh, we, we welcome you. <laughs> we do welcome you, and and we welcome. <laughs> we're, we're both Baptists, but you don't have to be one. It's we, not a requirement. We welcome conversation amongst all this, but but that to say, um, um, with the gospel, 
when you embrace the gospel, there is a life change among, among you, and there is very basic understandings and doings of the gospel that shows you whether or not you're even a Christian, right? James says that uh, faith without works is dead. There, if you have no works, there is no faith to begin with, right? And also when you look at where Jesus, when Jesus talks about who is a believer and who's not, he doesn't say, uh, I am going to separate you by whether you believe in me or not. He says, uh, so go to the passage of him separating the goats and the sheep. He, he looks at you and says, you fed me when I needed food. You gave me water when I was thirsty. You gave me shelter when I needed it. You gave me clothes when I was clothesless. I'm not quoting this very well. This is a paraphrase. But it, it's you look at the actions of the person. So the the basics of the gospel is basically the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, patience, kindness, gentleness. It's not something that's going to be perfected in anybody, but all those fruits are going to be there shown uh, growing in you uh, as soon as you receive the gospel. As soon as the Holy Spirit comes into you, it starts producing these fruits. This is what we believe when we believe uh, the Holy Spirit. This is the whole action of sanctification. God does not just say, oh, well, you can get into heaven now and just leaves you stranded. No, he's giving you more stuff. And so when it comes to uh, looking at people who uh, don't show that, now this is not to say that we should question uh, the uh, the authenticity of their faith, but it does say that there, there should be uh, – so what I'm saying is we shouldn't just go flat out and say that these people aren't Christian, right? We shouldn't say that Mark Driscoll isn't a Christian. But we should look at these things that he's done, look the lack of love, the lack of patience, the lack of grace, the lack of forgiveness that Mark's shown uh, many people within his congregation. We should see that and say, you are not showing the basics of the gospel within your actions. And this is something that we need to divide from until you show honest repentance for it. And I think we should do that with every leader and uh, within the Christian faith. Because, and when we don't, we have brought forth this this culture of 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 charisma. We want leaders who are charismatic, and that brings forth leaders who are arrogant, narcissistic. They're not humble. They're not kind in their speech. They're not gentle in the way they interact with people. They're not loving. They don't love their enemies. One of the basics of Christianity, they're not charitable. None of their teachings show it. None of their actions show it. All they have is saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus and I believe in these theological foundations that anybody can say they believe in. Anybody can teach as if you're teaching math or history. You can understand it that way, but if you're not living it out, there is a danger there. And that is something that I think we should divide on. What do you think, Lane? At, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's – and that's a huge problem. Uh, and I I don't know if I should say it's becoming less of a problem. Well, okay, I would say it is. Um, I, when you live um, – and this was, pro- if, this was probably more of a small town thing rather than – I'm sure this isn't really as – 
as much the case in like bigger bigger communities. I live you and I both live in relatively small communities. Um, Keith and I live in different towns. We're not in a studio, uh, but uh, in, in relatively small communities, you have uh, uh, at least where I live this uh, uh, tendency for pastors to be seen uh, to be judged by the uh, professionalism they show, not by the content of their character. Um, and that's a huge, that's huge, uh, because we, we see pastors as sort of like doctors, you know, uh, doctors can give great health advice. They're really smart people, but then they go out outside the hospital and smoke. Um, (laughs) it's, uh, and that's kind of what's going on right now. I mean, if you, uh, you know, in Frankfurt where I live, if you go to the hospital here in Frankfurt, right before you turn into the emergency room we always seem to go back to the emergency room in this issue uh, but right b- before you turn into the parking lot for the emergency room there's usually three or four nurses smoking cigarettes but then you go inside and then if they find out you smoke uh then they'll they'll chastise you and try to get you to stop uh and that's how pastors are now it, it seems like very, yeah. um, because to to be uh, fair, though, to the nurses, I do want to say this: addiction, especially to nicotine, is very strong and it's very hard to quit. And you should, you, anyone who does it, it shouldn't be chastised. You shouldn't be chastised for an addiction. You should be kindly helped through it. But and, anyway, I I do agree that that is a hypocrisy, we, and I do see. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I just wanted to say that. Pastors, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right there because I mean. I mean, to be fair, if, if I had to, if I had a nurse's job, I might be smoking. Too. That's a stressful <laughs> job. But uh, I mean, they, these these people work like. I mean, uh, we just uh, had a, had a lady in our family. Uh, uh, she's marrying my my cousin, and she she's a nurse. She works twelve hour shifts uh, every day of the week, and it is insane. So, and she doesn't even smoke. So, I you know I probably would if <laughs> if I had to do that. So, um, anyway, that's off topic. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I just lost my train of thought. So, um, um, we were going um, with that um, but yeah, yeah, the, the, their character is more, should be considered just as important as their theological, uh, what they say is their theological foundation. Uh, there's so many, there's so many pastors that I've seen that are just, liars they're jerks they have no true love for the church they're in it for whatever it could be power money respect heck if i know i there's been so many times and i've seen pastor that i'm just like you no one should be listening to you whether you're right or wrong doesn't matter you're creating a a what what we need to understand is that a church will follow suit with with its leader on how they act, and we see people in the pulpit they'll be homophobic, uh, which I sh- I know that becomes controversial as soon as you say homophobic. It's but no matter what you should you should love people. It doesn't matter whether we believe they're right or wrong they're sinning or not they should still be loved we should love everyone outside we should love our enemies jesus tells us to love our enemies it's like the basic of the gospel i saw a tiktok and i agree with it that the church has become more less the church within america less of an actual church and more of a cult that just promotes uh 
you be like me, you look like me, you should act like me, and if you don't, then we have nothing to do for you. We don't care about you. We're more of a cult that promotes being rich and uncharitable. We, uh, uh, th the actions of Jesus are not being shown. The basics of the gospel of what we're supposed to look like is not being shown by, by the people in the front. The, what I mean by that is what society looks at as the church. They, they look at these angry, unkind, unloving, ungentle people. Now, part of it is because they disagree with us on some things, and I will agree by that. But I do think that the Bible says that society, that uh, the world's going to look at us, and they're going to know we're Christians, not by uh, our theological stance, but by our love. They're going to look at us and see that we are loving people. They're going to understand what love looks like. They're not completely ignorant to love. They're going to, they should be able to look at us and tell that we are loving people. And that is not happening. And I think that should be cause for concern. And with that massive concern should be a division from the leaders who are bringing the church into that kind of uh, atmosphere, culture, acting, however you put it, uh, there is there's a problem there, and that should be cause for 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 divide. Hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Because I mean that when you have when Jesus says something along the lines of the greatest commandment is so the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Uh, the second greatest is love your neighbor as yourself. And that's, a, so if it's the second greatest commandment, then we, sh we should take it pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, and it goes back to, it reminds me of John 17. I was thinking about this verse when, when I was researching for, for this um, and thinking about this topic before we, we recorded um, John 17, uh, where Jesus prays for us. Uh, as uh, he prays for the whole church um, throughout the future, um, that we would be unified. And uh, the, uh, this, the church that we've set up in the United States, and I have to clarify that, this, this, this is a United States, this is a Western problem. What, our Eastern brothers and sisters are not having this <laughs> quite as much. Um, they, they're, it's funny, they're, they're doing way better than us in, in this uh, in this area, and yet they they have harsher conditions than we do. Um, but uh, you know, we I think I think maybe even one of the reasons that uh, the United States has become so secular and the West has become so secular is because we've been so divided. The church has been so divided. Uh, Jesus says uh, that one of the ways people will come to believe is by seeing our unification. Uh, unification is. A bigger witness than than most things, uh, he said. They will they will know mm -hmm. they're my disciples that by that because they're one, and we are not one. When, when you when you even consider Christianity here in the West, you you have to dig through all this rubble. You, you know, like okay, when when you say when you say Christianity, are you including Catholicism? No, okay. Now, are you including Anglicanism, Presbyterian, Presbyterians, Baptists, uh, Independent Christians? Uh, uh, Campbellites, uh, 
you know, and, and it's it's an absolute mess. We are basically uh, the church is basically is like a bag of chips that just got spilled onto the floor, and and we don't even. Uh, and it's hard to pick up the mess. And so we, when Jesus says unification, it's going to be one of the primary ways people uh, come to come to Christ. And we in the United States are probably the most divided church in the history of Christianity. Well, it's no wonder that this, this country's uh, becoming so godless uh, because we've given them almost every reason uh, not, not to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, this is one of the reasons that unification is so important um, is because th- this is literally a life and death issue. Um, and what, almost every single issue we have here in the Western church uh, can be drawn back to an unnecessary division or a division that should have happened that didn't happen. Um, yeah. And so that's uh, that's really that's really why we're having this discussion right now because, uh, I mean, we we are that we've created this mess, and it's going to be a difficult one to pick up. But um, we we have to realize that division is demonic and that. Uh, if we want to, if we want the culture to keep going the way it's going, then we're then we should we should just keep doing what we've been doing because it's it's making a mess. So, yeah, yeah, I fully agree. Um, unity is something that needs to happen within the church if we are going to become uh, a, a, a a godly force within the culture. If we are divided. It's not going to happen, especially if we're divided on dumb issues like we are today. Like CRT, shut up. Stop stop arguing about this and acting as if this is a gospel issue. It's not a gospel issue whatsoever, whether you believe in legal racism within the the government or not, and whether you agree – within the theories or not. That's that's not a gospel issue. It's not a gospel issue whether you vote Republican or Democrat. Jesus doesn't care who you vote for. He cares on your your positions and whether or not they align with with the Bible and uh, whether we promote and vote for godly things. But let's be honest, you can't – when we vote – uh, for a person, you're not going to get a perfect person. It doesn't matter whether you vote Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. None of that's going to be perfect. So, and that comes with a whole lot of nuance and, and there's not, we can't, to be divided on that goes against scripture. To be divided on so many of these issues that we've come to be divided on and that we've just separated from each other on is not what Paul has taught us. Paul, Paul says for the whole church to be together in one spirit and one mind. And that's how we do it. We can we can disagree on whether baptism baptism should be immersion or sprinkling of babies. We can disagree with that but still come together on the gospel or not. We can disagree on whether or not uh, tongues is still a thing and what that even means while still being within the same church. We can disagree on so many issues while coming together and saying we still believe in the same Jesus and we are going to work together to be charitable to help the culture to to give out money and we are going to look at people who 
uh, go against everything that Jesus stood for, love, charity, kindness, faithfulness, uh, forgiveness. Uh, if you are against that, we then will divide from you. It is insane that we've become a culture that cares more about a political affiliation than one that cares about whether someone shows the fruit of the spirit or not. It is actually insane. Exactly. I think Satan has used politics. He's basically uh, waved politics, uh, using it like uh, if you wanted to, to distract me from my work, you know, hold a donut in front of my face and I'll go follow it. I think I think politics is that donut for the church. You know, he's used it. Now we're distracted from our work and now we're being divided up. That was a bad analogy. But I, I, um, I think, <laughs> yeah, and th- this is what I want to end on. I think. One of the main things that we need to start dividing from and start being more aggressive on as a church is uh, this idea of Christian nationalism, the idolatry that has come about of uh, American uh, uh, patriotism, basically. We, if you don't know what I mean, what I'm talking about here is the – I ideology that that america and being patriotic and and agreeing with everything that america is about the american dream is equal to jesus and if you if you go against america in any way shape or form you're henceforth going against jesus and this has become big within trumpism trump brought this out the evangelicals have really embrace Christian nationalism through Trump in this this era of politics. Um, well, this, this this was a problem in evangelicalism way, way it, before Trump. It, it, was, it was a problem, agreed, but it has become on the forefront. It, this is it, – it, it, I think maybe this is just me getting into it more, but from the looks of it, it seems like almost – it seems like so there is – Almost the majority of churches in America have fallen victim to Christian nationalism and are more idolatry worshipers than they are worshipers of Jesus. Yeah, that, I mean, as far as that goes, that's been, I mean, that's been there since the founding of this country. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and, and part of it is just a confusion with the fact that. Uh, the United States uniquely adopts uh, Christian values. Now, it may not be necessarily a Christian country, but we, uh, the values of this country, more neatly align with uh, the values of, of uh, Christianity more more than most countries in the past have. And uh, so that uh, that being said, um, that those uh, two. Uh, American patriotism and Christianity have sort of been fused together in people's minds to where people confuse a somewhat correct government with a, uh, you know, God's uh, favorite government uh, and, uh, it, or I should say God's favorite country. Um, and this becomes especially an issue when, um, you, you, uh, when it comes to issues of religious liberty, um, people, because I, I remember, I think, I think this was when Obama was president. Um, a gay marriage had just been 
uh, the Obergefell decision had just happened where gay marriage was legalized across the country. Um, and uh, I forget her name. I think she was here in Kentucky. Uh, the lawyer that uh, that worked at the courthouse that wouldn't oh, uh, yeah. the gay couple. I know who you're talking about, yeah. In jail. Um, and, and Christians were uh, understandably and rightly upset. Um, but we, we've so... Uh, we, we've made religious liberty almost a gospel issue. Um, and, and again, religious liberty is good and right, and, we sh- and we're right to desire it. Um, however, um, we're wrong to expect it. And uh, when, you, when we have a sinful world and we're in a sinful country, and we are, uh, we should expect those rights to be trampled upon. And it speaks volumes about the church's unwillingness to witness to the, the world when you know you're not willing to share your faith with a neighbor but you are willing to go make a cardboard sign and stand up in front of the jail and protest that this woman went there um you know because we, we don't see anything reminiscent of that in in the book of acts um or or, or anywhere in the bible yeah um, so that again that that it's it all goes back to mixed up priorities again we we have, we value religious liberty over sharing the gospel. Um, Don't you? Reality, wouldn't you consider that something to be divided on? Because when this, I feel this has caused some of the most division within the church. This has caused a lot of issues within the church. This is something that is taking precedent over the gospel. We'd much rather uh, it's more important for us that football players stand for the national anthem than if Jesus' name is proclaimed within the church. Uh, should, shouldn't this be something that's like, maybe we should start dividing from people who promote this ideology? Uh, what, uh, so let, let me just make sure that I, I'm, I'm understanding you correctly. Uh, so this is, you're asking me if we should be dividing over the prioritization of American patriotism over the the gospel, correct? Yes. Well, yeah, uh, I would definitely, I mean, no question about it. I think the problem becomes, I should say the conflicts, um, well, yes, the, the short answer is yes. But I should, I should say um, we have to be careful not to confuse um, people who have a healthy sort of patriotism, it, which I would I would define that as a healthy stewardship of. We love our country in that we we want what's best for it. You know, I I believe God calls us to to uh, be good stewards of what He's given us, and therefore seek the good of our communities uh, so that we can you know be good witnesses. Um, part of being a, a gospel witness is is seeking the the well being of our our where we're at. Um, now that said, uh, a lot of people you mentioned the national anthem. A lot of people are are angry with that, uh, mainly because they think uh, there's this anti. Uh, um, how do I say this? Um, basically, they they think there's this unhealthy anti patriotism. Um, going on and, and 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 we can we can discuss you know whether or not well that's the case i would um, i would but i would think that there, there is 
a, a certain um, there is a certain subset of people who are skeptical of a a, a totalitarian or Marxist sort of takeover, um, and we sort of see that um, through what we would call cancel culture and the like. Um, but uh, again, I think there are some well-meaning people that that need to be uh, protected from. I- uh, or, or I should say, excused. Uh, now that said, I think there is. Uh, uh, I think obviously the gospel comes first, um, but we shouldn't we shouldn't confuse unhealthy patriotism with people who are simply just trying to be good stewards. I um, I agree that we should be careful with who we call out. As, I may not have been uh, explained. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you did. I, I agree that we should be careful with who we're calling out, as in terms of whether you are too far gone or whether you're ignorant within this. However, I think you're giving people are getting are being given too much credit for being healthy stewards i think i think the vast majority of this is heavily dangerous i think we are past the point we are past a point of willful willful ignorance and we are at a point where christians are number one in spreading conspiracy theory and false information christians are number one in in believe uh believing conspiracy theories and false information christians are uh and there we are becoming the number one dividers within uh within this and it's all because of of christian nationalism i i think i think i think the vast majority are doing this in an unhealthy manner and they're not actually doing this in good stewardship I think, I think America, America, and American patriotism. By that I mean, well, I'll say American nationalism takes precedent over the gospel in the majority of churches and in the majority of of people who proclaim to be Christians within America. And I think that'll that'll probably change. I imagine within the next decade or so, as we I would. Lose- uh, religious liberty, the culture becomes more hostile. Well, well, um, we we could go, we, yeah, we could go into a deep discussion about that. <laughs> but I, I do think this is something that we're not dividing on. Like we're not taking as seriously as what it is. Um, when I, well, there are plenty of people who are taking this seriously. Uh, for instance, people like Bradley Mason, people like uh kb and i mean hudson who do a podcast called Southside rabbi which i greatly appreciate uh they're taking christian nationalism and and all this kind of stuff seriously and i'm i'm happy for it but it seems to me that uh in most especially within the conservative circle most churches care more about uh, uh a conspiracy theory of cultural marxism whether th- and did care more about that than the actual present issue of hey uh, it seems like the majority of your congregants care more about 
the prosperity of America than they do the prosperity of of the kingdom of God. And, yeah, and and by that I mean they they would rather go against the word of God if it means promoting uh American first American first values. And we see we see that all over the place. And I think that has become dangerous. Um uh I want to finish off by saying uh there is a whole lot more that we could talk about on this subject, but I don't want to go too long and exhaust it. Uh I do want to say though that uh through all this we need to be very careful about what we decide to divide on. Uh division is not good for the most part. There is healthy division, there is division that we need to but that is division that needs to be carefully thought out and division that needs to not be done uh, uh, harshly, rashly, immediately from a situation. It's something that needs to be prayerfully done. It needs to be. Uh, you need to meditate on this, and you need to also make sure that when we see problems within within people, that we think this is something that could be very serious. We talk to them about it. We don't just leave them hanging right because one of the things that we need to realize and is that we need to also care about these people who uh we divide from we need to also love them as well we need to hope and pray that they repent from uh their bad thinking their bad theology their bad acting their their whatever sin they're trapped they're they're trapped in we need to hope and pray that they repent of it and they come out uh, uh, better and biblical. We we want that for people. We should want that for people. We shouldn't want people to just uh, just die within their sin. It doesn't matter how far gone they are, um, uh, or how far gone we think they are. I mean, uh, we should want love for them as well as as for the ones who we agree with. That, that's what it means to be uh, one with Jesus. Jesus had problems with, with the Pharisees, but uh, and we see that, and they are rightly called out so, but that doesn't mean that there is not also a sense of forgiveness that, that theoretically could have been had for them had they repented. I think that is something that we uh, should realize that's part of the gospel is this is... This is encompassing all, and uh, uh, by that I mean all who repent. Uh, let me be a good Calvinist. And so if they repent, they're part of the church, and we should, we should hope that for everybody we come across. Definitely. Definitely. Um, um, um. Here's a good uh, segue into next week's episode. Uh, one of the ways that um, I have been convicted over the past several months, uh, in fact, I was convicted by a, a sermon by Matt Chandler, uh, one of the ways that I've decided to help contribute to church unity is by quitting social media. Uh, the only social media I have is uh, TikTok. Uh, 
and uh, I've rigged my TikTok so that I only see like funny videos or uh, things that are lighthearted. Um, so I don't really get into like serious, uh, controversial issues. Um, not, uh, and that's actually going to be next week's topic is the pros and cons of quitting social media. Uh, yep. so and that's a good segue into that yep, <laughs> pros and cons of quitting social media and also pros and cons of having social media. I, I, we'll probably discuss that as well because there, there is possible good things that have come out of social media. There's bad things. We're going to do a lot of research into that and discuss that and see what we can talk about around that. And yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Oh, that will be next week. Uh, thank you all for listening. If, if you enjoy the conversation, if you enjoy this, what, what we're trying to do and, uh, with trying to unite through differences of opinions and views, uh, leave a five-star review on itunes if uh you feel so led if not that's cool or leave leave whatever review leave criticism i'd love to hear your criticism uh again this is all a part of dialogue conversation you uh we do not turn away uh, uh anyone's what anyone has to say as long as it's not you know harmful uh towards anybody uh so like country music yeah well yeah if you if you are a fan of country music we don't accept you here but you're too far gone this is a, a level one issue <laughs> but uh I, we do welcome conversation so leave a review uh follow up follow me on social media as lane just said he doesn't have it anymore but uh my twitter uh, let me make sure I got this right. Uh, I never actually look at it. I kind of forget what it is. It's Diverse U Podcast. Uh, just look up Diverse Unity. You should be able to find it. My Instagram is uh, FrozenChosen777. Uh, TikTok is Diverse Unity. So look us up there. Uh, and yeah, hope you have a great rest of the week. Bye.